What's wrong with you people? What is the foundation of your faith? I mean, why do you believe what you believe? The word of the living God. All scripture is theonistos. It is God breathed. tell you what's disrespectful saying god has to provide many ways when in his son he gave his life on calvary's tree to provide the one perfect Welcome to the EOM Podcast. I am your co-host, John Pruitt, and I'm joined by three other co-hosts today. Lee Gulledge, Clay Garrison, and Robert Will Lures. What up, what up? How you guys doing today? Good to be here. We're glad to have you here with us today. This is our very first episode, so please excuse anything that seems a little out of the way, but we're this is one giant big experiment. And the hope is that you're going to learn some biblical truths. So break out your Bibles, get ready to turn some pages, and discover the truth of God's Word together. So today, we're going to start off with our very first episode discussing a few things, particularly towards theology. More specifically, why bad theology hurts people. Why we need theology. A proper understanding of theology. So whether you're a novice altogether, whether you're someone who's never even attended church, this is a good starting point for you to understand the importance of theology. Before we get too deep into that, though, just a few quick things. We want to let you know that we're going to try to do maybe two episodes per month with this, um, and that we also have another podcast that will be coming out that's sponsored by Eyes Open Ministries. It'll be God's Mad Men. It'd be something that would be kind of tackling some of the cultural issues we're facing today from a Christian worldview. And uh, we also have our website full of blog posts by everyone here that's on the podcast today, including a few others. So definitely check that out for some great resources. Um, we have a studies tool tab that you can go to to help you study theology and study pretty much everything from a Christian standpoint uh, through those various means, websites, book recommendations, etc etc so uh be sure to give us a review like and share this if you see it on uh, facebook social media things of that nature uh we're present on facebook instagram and twitter and we have a youtube channel as well so that being said and done we're going to start off let's just start off with some scripture it's always good to start there and we want to see here in second timothy chapter three uh, verses 16, it teaches us that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. And then if you go on to the fourth chapter and look at about verse 3, it says, For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth 
and will turn aside to miss. But you be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So we want to keep that in mind today as we go through this. And we want to just kind of break it down and, and just kind of let you know, number one, in the very beginning here, what is theology? You know, we have uh, so many different worldviews out there today that a lot of people are not even sure, and they just hear the word theology, they're automatically scared by it. And so we want to, what is a clear definition of that? We kind of got one broke down here for you. It's, theology is the study of the nature of God and religious belief. From the Greek word theologia, it means words or speech about God. The study of God and of God's relation to the world. Now, doctrine would be a more narrow uh, breakdown, I guess you would say, more narrowly looking at a more specific topic within theology. It means to uh, a teaching or instructions, referring to both the act of teaching and that which is taught. Like we saw earlier, Paul commends sound doctrine, which ties in in the greater picture, theology. Theology is, again, the study of God. So it's important for us to get off the bat by understanding that. So, Lee, what, what is, what is uh, something else about theology we need to be more concerned about or understand? Yeah, one thing we need to realize is everyone has a theology, whether they know it or not. Um, I think the point was made earlier, even atheists have a theology because they claim to not believe in God. And many people have based their theology, and and when you have when you try to live out your theology, or not so to say live it out, um, your life is gonna your life is gonna be is gonna entail what that belief is, and it's a lot of people have based it not on God's word necessarily as much as they've assimilated into a group, uh, they've joined a church or a denomination, or another group of atheists, for example, and. They're, they live out, they begin to live and their life looks like other people and what other people say rather than just starting with God's word and basing our life on God's word. Right. So everybody has a theology. So there has to be like a very specific way to understand theology uh, and to study the Bible. And, uh, you know, there's something that's out there. There's two different viewpoints that you can look at is exegesis and eisegesis. Uh, Brother Clay, you mind handling that for us? He's... He's more well-versed in this subject than I am, I believe. <laughs> yeah, well, you have exegesis and eisegesis, and you know these are two fancy words that we, we throw out there, but really at, at the base level, I mean, this is what the, uh, these two words mean. Exegesis is basically our efforts at trying to pull out of the text what the text itself is trying to say. And so uh, whenever somebody's doing eisegesis, it's they're, they're putting their own thoughts, they're putting their own feelings, their uh, experiences that they've had in life, they're making those things authoritative. And then whenever they come to the Word of God, they they use their background and the things that are going on in their life and their experiences as the filter that they put God's Word through. And so if there's ever a situation where they're reading God's Word and uh, something just doesn't make sense, uh, they don't do exegesis, they do eisegesis, and they, they put their own thoughts and feelings onto that to make it mean what they want it to mean. Uh, where someone who is faithful to God's word is going to want to do exegesis, which involves looking at the the verse or the passage, whatever you're dealing with, and 
asking what does the context of this passage tell me that this verse means? Because it only has one meaning. Um, a lot of times we get in trouble. You know, I think everybody's had the experience of being in a little small group study where uh, somebody reads a verse and asks, well, what does this mean to you? And everybody kind of goes around and says, well, this means this to me. And because this happened to me, this verse means this to me. But whenever we're going through God's word, it has one meaning. It only means one thing. And uh, it can have multiple applications to our lives, but it has one meaning. And to find that, we need to look at what is the context of this passage? Who's the author? Who's the original author, the apostle or prophet or whoever it is? Why are they writing this? Why has it been written down? Who are they speaking to? Uh, what's the historic issues that are surrounding this writing? What all is going on? Uh, so that whenever we read this, we can be put in the best position possible to know exactly what was meant uh, so that we can apply it to the best way. Because if we can't uh, properly interpret what individual verses mean, then we can't really put those together to have a good theology. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Clay. I think maybe trying to apply it a little more is, you know, we all have a theology, and the point of the exegesis is to prevent us from trying to input our theology into that text. We use exegesis to prevent our natural inclination to put our our own thoughts and desires into that text. So it, it kind of puts up a barrier that keeps our own feelings and wants out of the text. Yeah, I heard, uh, uh, I think it might have been Piper. I'm not exactly sure, but one uh, a quote that they said kind of just stuck with me is, you know, there is taking our philosophy and applying it to the Scriptures or letting the Scripture apply to our philosophy. Which one makes the most sense? Which you know, is more? And that, to me, I, that was just like a light bulb moment for me that just like, oh, right. well, that makes perfect sense because, you know, what it, it, Paul teaches in Romans 12, I believe, is that, you know, we must be renewed by changing our minds. Well, well what's changing our minds? It ain't our philosophy because that's how we think already. It's right. the Word of God. And the Scripture changes your mind and renews your mind when you come to scriptures that you might not have understood before even with proper context and you're still struggling with the process of you allowing it to change you helps you interpret other passages that are hard for you you know earlier on in your christian walk so there's this constant growing of understanding more and more what exactly god's word is saying but we have to be humble to come to it and allow it to teach us and not us to mold it to what we want it to be when Clay was talking about the small group studies and what does this mean to me, John MacArthur said um, we shouldn't worry about what it means to us. We should worry about what it means if we never existed because when God wrote it, when he inspired it, he had a meaning, and that's he meant what he meant. That's the, that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, going back there, it's like we can't feel our way towards the knowledge of God, right? We can't. We can't just – Say well, this is all based on what experience, right? You know, that's a lot what we're seeing in Christian church today. That's right. That's for sure. Um, when you read the scripture earlier in Timothy, it said they'll be turned to myths, and if, even in our English language, the word myth is just a made-up story. It's just totally made up, and that's what people were going at. Paul warned us that people would go for made-up stories, and I, it amazes me that so many today will just follow someone. And with all of these unsubstantiated stories, just there's no no proof, no background. Just man, that's amazing. That's got to be true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, let's see. The thing we got to understand here is, you know, eisegesis basically is based on that philosophy and experience, and that's what could typically lead to bad theology. And like we said, everybody has a theology. Uh, it could be your favorite pastor. It could be your grandfather. You know, I was 
born and raised this denomination or this thing because that's the way grandma was or that's because that my family's been always been in this denomination and well, it doesn't necessarily make it right, you Correct. know. And uh, there is good theology and there is bad theology. And there's there's open-handed issues and closed-handed issues as well that we got to understand that there's um, there's things we as Christians may disagree about that could be open-handed issues that doesn't amount to a hill of beans as far as salvation is concerned or the basic orthodox teachings that's out there. Uh, that defines and makes you a Christian, but there is also those close-handed issues that are the orthodox beliefs. You know, and orthodox meaning the the standard in which you have to be able to call yourself a Christian. You have to believe in, such as the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of of Christ, uh, and so on and so forth. I, you know, it could be an exhaustive list in some some people's minds. And but we have to say, okay, these are the things that do matter because one little. Just one little drop of poison can contaminate the whole well. I think Justin Peters said that. And when one little drop of bad theology can be dropped in there, it can change your whole theological perspective and how you interpret the Bible. And if you don't have a clear understanding of the Scriptures and you're following along some teacher or some preacher who's taken it and just, you may not even see it. You just, you don't see the domino effect. You don't see how this one bad teaching can lead and change the whole theological stance of what the scriptures is trying to say because we're ignorant to what the, the Bible has to tell us on those things and we're not we're not interpreting it the correct way. So uh, an extreme example of bad theology leads to cultism or even different forms of the occult. Now what I mean by that, uh, well cults is pretty much uh, they they claim to be sharing a lot of the views that Christianity shares, some of those orthodox beliefs, but they have those things that, those orthodox teachings that they say is orthodox, but it's not. And some examples of that would be, as far as a cult, would be like your Jehovah's Witnesses or your uh, Latter-day Saints or Mormons. Um, when it comes to the occult, you know, that's those who are in the secret knowledge and uh, Satanism to paganism, things of that nature. Uh, and a lot of those are very inclusive of Christian. They say you can be a a Wiccan and be a Christian at the same time, but that's right. that is not the proper theology behind that. Right. But for for example, everybody's very familiar with Jim Jones or People's Temple, Jonestown. You know, where at a mass suicide of I think nearly seven hundred and something people who drank the Kool Aid. They drank Jim Jones's Kool Aid, and that's right. just a good terminology, I believe. To use for that example, they drank the poison that he was serving them, right. and it resulted in their death. Um, he was a Pentecostal preacher at one point, and his theology got so bad and skewed, he tied in a lot of Marxism and things of that nature with his teachings. And at the point at the end, he was pretty much an, a, a, an atheist and was saying that he was God in a sense, which is kind of an oxymoronic statement, but he, he was claiming to be like the Messiah or the chosen one. And... Thus, led a lot of people astray. Right. That was, you know, that's a very extreme example that a lot of people are familiar with. Isn't it um, something how the church today is um, so entwined with Marxism? Oh yeah. And um, a prime example, what you just said, we should learn from history, but we seem to never do. Yep. That's that's exactly right. Yeah, um, American evangelicalism is is very bad at history. We forget it quick. That's correct. We keep falling and stumbling over the same roots over and over and over again. That's exactly right. You know, there's uh. 
Then we have our everyday common examples of bad theology that we can see out there within the Christian church, um, such as legalism or liberalism. Um, what do we mean by legalism? I think legalism, you know, it gets misunderstood a lot as just meaning, hey, being real strict about following, you know, God's rules. But that's a misunderstanding. I think that's a simplistic understanding of it. Legalism is, you know, trying what the Pharisees were guilty of, you know, making their doctrines or including their doctrines and excluding the commandments of God where they wanted to, um, you know, make sure that you didn't walk so far on the Sabbath, but then they wouldn't, you know, love their neighbor. They wouldn't go out of their way in order to help help somebody who was stranded. So I think legalism is actually you know, trying to, you know you can't keep the law, so you try to make up other rules to make yourself feel better. You know, there's the um, Jesus' parable of the in the temple where the Pharisee, or the tax collector sitting standing there, and he's praising God, thanking you that I'm not like this right. man other beside me. But then the other man, he was beating his chest, saying, you know, have mercy on me, God. One, one, someone who's legalistic doesn't realize how, they're breaking the law. They try to come up with laws that they can keep as to make themselves feel righteous. Well, it's it's kind of like earning their salvation. They made right. that the foundation. Yeah. It boils down to self-righteousness. Yeah. Yep. Then you have liberalism, like your hyper-grace and universalism. Anybody want to go deeper on that one? <laughs> yeah. I, mag- I imagine most of our backgrounds probably was more the legalism side, but liberalism... Um, yeah, I think universalism it, is every you know everyone's going to be saved in the end, and there I guess of course you could have different variations of of that. So, but that's to what it boils down to is everyone's going to be saved in the end. And hyper grace is, hey, I prayed a prayer when I was seven, so I can do anything I want, live any way I want from mm-hmm. here on out. I Ultimately, think. it's like the it's kind of like the the polar opposite that's just as bad because it's like you're with, with the legalism. It's like they're still casting God's law out god's word out they're just replacing it with their own whereas with the with the liberalism it's like they're casting god's law out and just not having any there is no No. standard it's just god's happy with everybody that's right everybody's going to be saved and you know we're all going to heaven so let's just be happy with each other and try to do good stuff for people that's right yeah very very inclusive yeah yeah i think liberalism comes in you know a million different varieties and it it's kind of like a thought today you know it's constantly molding it can fit itself to a lot of different things to where you got atheistic liberals or they get you know homosexual christian liberals they you know to where they um critiquing the bible some of them will claim they believe the bible but they you know the bible doesn't teach homosexuality some will just outright toss the bible out there's a a million different varieties of liberalism and there's a new one popping up every day but you notice with both of these you know there it's it comes from a lack of being grounded in God's word, a lack of doing that exegesis that we talked about earlier, you know, because they, whenever they come to passages, if there's something that rubs them wrong, they're, they're, I guess I'll throw this, their presuppositions that they have when they come to the, the text, if something rubs those the wrong way, you know, apart from God's grace, they're going to hold to those, those presuppositions that they have when they come to it, and they're just going to transform what God's word says to match exactly what they were thinking before they came to it. That's how you can have... You know, tons of people, you know, we, we see it all the time. We see politicians quoting scripture while on the back end they're doing all of these, you know, X, Y, Z that we're like, how in the world can they be quoting scripture? Well, I mean, if you if you come to the text and you just unload all of your feelings on it and just interpret it through that lens, you can make it say whatever you want to say. Uh, but if we're going to be 
if we're going to be humble, if we're going to treat it as God's authoritative word that comes from the creator of the universe, then uh, we have to treat it in the proper manner and, and interpret it as it says to be interpreted. And it's, you know, that's uh, one of the next points we'll make here is, you know, how to properly study theology. You know, it's a, it's a, to exegetically study the scriptures verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, context, context, context. Right, hey, Lee? hey John, before we before we jump ahead, let me yeah. circle back and hit on the experience stuff a little bit, because um, that kind of leads into how we get to yeah. those bad examples of theology. Because I think we can, um, I think most people in our circles probably err on the side of avoiding experience and feelings and emotions because we've seen how much damage they can cause. And so I want to, you know, look back a little bit in at the history of it. You know, from Jonathan Edwards is one of the main characters that we look back when we think of Reformed-ish evangelicals and focusing on experience, because he was an extremely experiential guy. And, you know, it doesn't take long once that gets out of whack. And even some might say Jonathan Edwards went a little too far, but most would, uh, most would maintain that he was at least orthodox in most things he thought, but you know, not too long after him, within a hundred years or so, that has started to snowball into people like Charles Finney. And you know, this, the first great, great awakening with Jonathan Edwards was a was a magnificent move, move of God, where um, he moved he moved greatly to bring a lot of people to Christ. But then, the, I think the second great awakening was a much more mixed mixed bag, to where Charles Finney, and that's when the all these new movements, to where you know you had the, the anxious bench that he wanted to put up front, to where people were were emotionally ready to receive Christ and stuff like that. So you can, um, there's a good use, there's a godly use of emotions. God gave us emotions. He doesn't want us to try and sit down in a room somewhere and just, you know, be a stoic, essentially. He gave us emotions to be used rightly. So we're supposed to love him. We're supposed to, you know, fear him. We're supposed to love others. We're supposed to serve him with a passion. So it's easy to um, try, you know, it's like everything. There's a, there's a ditch on both sides of that road, and you want to try and walk that ditch carefully. And so it's, it's a good example is to see Jesus, you know, he, there was, there's no lack of emotion in Jesus' life, but you don't see him being tugged around by his motion, emotions where he's just led off and astray. You see him, you know, crying and sympathetic and loving for people that are suffering. And then you see him whipping out, you know, making whips to run people out of the um, temple because they're breaking, they're breaking God's law. So there's a, there's a place for anger. There's a righteous anger, but you got to be careful that, you know, James, I believe, says the, anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Right. So more than likely, if you're feeling really angry about something, you know, double check that. Make sure that that is a righteous anger, not a an unrighteous anger. But there's a the big point to remember is there's a good, good godly use of emotions. You just have to keep them in check with the scriptures. That's an excellent point, man. It, Very good. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of theology based on experience. Well, I felt it. I know what I felt. You know, I've had that said to me so many times. But okay, you may have felt that. Uh, but I've had that same experience watching Star Wars. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean, I've, I've had that same experience uh, through listening to a uh, some classic rock song or something like that, right. or a love song by Whitney Houston or something. You know, it doesn't just because it's an a feeling and an emotional experience doesn't make it truth. Does not make it truth. And that's one thing we have to understand. And we'll say, oh well, you know. And then there's the question of the Holy Spirit and things of that nature. And we'll, we'll get more into that one day. But we cannot base our experience and, and 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 use that as a proper grounds for theology. Right. It has to be found in sound biblical teachings and in its full context, 
That's something that we, like I said, we got to understand. It's all about that context, right, Lee? Yeah. And an amazing point, you know, sometimes uh, you have the light bulb will go off and the simplest thing that we should all know. But anyway, when you come to realize that, that uh, the whole Bible is telling one story, it's God's story. It's not us. We didn't make it up. God is telling his story. He is revealing himself to man through the through the Bible. And and the um the, when you take a scripture or even, you know, a story in the Bible, you can make it mean anything you want it to mean apart from what God actually wanted to say there. So um an example I, I came across one time and this is a real life example I guess you could say in the Sunday school class and we're going through the story of Hezekiah in the Old Testament and um the great revival. There was a great revival in Hezekiah's day, and Hezekiah, you know, Scripture tells us that he was seeking God and he cleaned up Israel and um, was was set out to do great things for God. And the Sunday school lesson, of course, was all about Hezekiah, and and I'm sitting in class, sort of reading through it now, and, and as we're going through and it's giving these examples of through the sections of Scripture. Well, then all, all of a sudden I came across this Scripture in the middle of that story. And I'll try to keep it short, but Hezekiah is going to have a Passover. And I can't remember off the top of my head how many years it had been since they had celebrated a Passover on this scale. But So he sends out messengers. He sends them out and says, hey, come join us. We're going to celebrate Passover. And, um, of course, at that point, it's all Hezekiah. He's, he's Yeah, he's trying. He's bringing people in. So here, here you have, um, and I'm going to back up. This is a Second Chronicles chapter 30. And I'm going to start at verse 10. So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun. But they laughed at them, the, the residents of these cities laughed at them and mocked them. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Okay, if we stop right there, okay, the people humbled themselves. It's all about the man in the story. But this very next verse seems, the whole story seems to hinge on this, in my mind at least. So verse 12 says, also, which points backwards and forwards, also, that's tying the two verses together. Also, the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. So here we we have that God touches man's heart and and changes his hearts to obey the command of the king. So many people laughed and scorned the runners. Many would not participate, didn't want anything to do with it, but many did. They humbled themselves, but this tells us how. The sovereign hand of God changed man's heart so that they would obey the king at the word of the Lord. And in the grand scheme of things, the whole uh, story, the I guess you could say the crux of the matter is God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his covenants. And at all times throughout the wickedness of Israel and Judah and our own lives to this day, God is faithfully calling us back to himself, calling us back to himself. And that's the context. When you dig in, it takes the glory away from man and puts it back in, in, in on God. And unfortunately, that's why so many people don't want to properly study the Bible because they want the glory. They want to be exalted. In our fallen nature, That's we all fight with uh, pride and arrogance, so... Um, so that's an example, I think, of uh, context. Yeah, most definitely. And it, <clears throat> there's a there's something to be said when you got these one verse Charlies, 
Yeah, who want to, you know, the <laughs> preacher or the the uh, Sunday school teacher. You got to be cautious of that. Now, there's there's a, definitely a time and a place when that is applicable, and they, they they could be saying it correctly in the right context. But we are to test all things, right? That's right. And and we test things, and it, Paul speaks throughout his his writings about checking behind people, exactly checking against anybody who even your pastor. Don't just read your, your Bible when he's up there preaching. You know, read it throughout the week. Right. Read the chapter before and after what he read. Right. Test him against the Word of God itself, and that's where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you in that proper context. Um, and use good study tools. We've got to be cautious of those tools. You know, I, I personally, I, I like using the older stuff when it comes to, like, the uh, concordances or dictionaries, commentaries, things of that nature. Uh, and there's some really good study Bibles out there as well, but you gotta you gotta use and be cautious even of those uh, because there's a lot of stuff that's out there today where people are just manipulating it and making it say what they want to say. Um, yeah, John. One thing I think will help protect a lot of Christians is an understanding of church history. You know, it's not infallible. It's not the scriptures. Um, we believe the history is recorded in the Bible is is true. Yeah. The rest of the history is not necessarily but if you come upon something about a bible verse that you're reading and you don't you, you know you have a, a new understanding of it you, you know no one's ever thought of it before you might have maybe you got it right maybe everybody else has gotten it wrong but that's, that's probably not likely god's blessed a lot of mature godly men for for many 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 years and so if, if no one's ever thought of it before no one's ever read that text and thought it meant what you meant um you might want to Mm-hmm. Rethink it carefully and before you commit to that. I can't believe all those guys were wrong. Don't write a book yet. Yeah, yeah. Hold off on that book for a little yeah. bit. There's, yeah, there's definitely a red flag when someone teaches something. I, I listened to a guy recently uh, doing some background work on him, and he, he was just saying, you know, I'm the only guy teaching this stuff. That should be a red flag to his <laughs> listeners. I mean, if you're the only person right. teaching this out of the Bible. Chances are you're wrong. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't admit to that kind of thing. Yeah, there's thousands of years of church history there, and and a lot better theologians than you are, who are, who uh, should be considered in their interpretation. You know. Yeah. What that, that Paul said about another gospel, and that's always <laughs> something we should keep in mind because I've been met with a lot of a lot of opposition when talking about theology and people saying that, uh, for example, that we don't need any any extra books or anything to help us understand that if you've got your Bible, then the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all this stuff. And while I agree that the Holy Spirit is the best teacher that you're going to have, and he will lead you in understanding these things, part of the blessing that God's given through the Holy Spirit is to teach more people than just yourself and for you to uh, look to other people in your church and your pastor and other churches, the, the church as a whole, the church all throughout history, that the Holy Spirit uh, has blessed with with understanding in Scripture and using that to stand on their shoulders to get more work done. Because you know, ultimately, we we have a goal, we have a great commission, we have something that we're looking forward to and working towards. And uh, just to ignore everybody else that God's used in the past is, uh, I think, pretty arrogant. And and in one sense, you're basically saying that you know, on your own, you have a better capability of understanding yeah. than anybody else does. Uh, and it kind of takes out that humble nature of doing theology, which we should always have. Yeah, I think it was uh, Charles Spurgeon that said it's awfully ironic the people that va- say they value the Holy Spirit the most and then what he teaches them are so ready to toss out what he's taught other people. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and and there's definitely 
an aspect of that, uh, I would say, once you get a firm foundation in your knowledge of the Scripture, it's also good to study. Not necessarily study, but it's also good to read the other viewpoints. It's, yeah. it's, it's good to understand what they teach and what they understand, just so you can provide a good defense for the gospel itself. Uh, which leads us to our next point here. What are some benefits of studying theology? Yeah, I think one of the, the best things that you'll notice quickly once you do start you know, putting a little bit more time, effort, and thought into theology is that you'll catch yourself being able to exercise a little better discernment. That whenever you come in contact with some false teaching, you know, it clicks off in your mind real quick. It, um, it, it filters into your mind to where you see um, the wrong things that are going on better. Once you see the right, you can see the wrong a whole lot easier. It helps to protect you. You know, if, if you're a leader in your church or if you're a leader in your family, you know, you, you're called to help others keep everybody on track. And so, you know, it, the, one of the benefits of studying theology is that it, that discernment grows in your mind to where you can s- spot false teaching and you can protect those around you and those that are being led astray from it. Because it's a, you know, it's just Satan is a, is a sneaky guy. He can sneak yeah. in without even knowing it, you know, People that run off astray, they don't do it knowingly. Right. They think they're serving God as they go off, you know, away from his word. So that's one of the, the biggest benefits is just being able to spot truth from falsehood. That comes a lot with the maturity as we grow. And it's very serious discernment. Um, there's a lot of pain that comes with uh, false theology, false doctrines, and being misled. Yep. And, and that's why, you know, I like to say that, you know, why bad theology hurts people right? is because when you don't have that discernment, when you don't have that firm foundation uh, in God's Word, you be led astray to the point that it, it can cause a lot of bad things. Now, standing standing on the truth can be hurtful for us, you know, physically in our personal lives. I've had, you know, I'm at ends with members of my family because we disagree on some very important issues when it comes to theology. That's right. Um I know, Lee, you've been through some personal things yourself that's caused due, due to you taking a stand on the truth. And uh, I know you guys as well, Clay and Will, you, you, you all have, we all have our personal testimony of, yeah. of, of standing on God's truth. And, and anytime you stand on truth, you know, Jesus says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is John Pruitt version, but it's, you know, he's like, I, I didn't come to necessarily you know, bring peace to you in your personal life, but right. to tear families apart in a sense. Right. You know, the brother against brother, you know, if, he's going to tear your family apart. And that, I think that's what he meant by that. It's not not that he is going to do that, but it's just because you're going to stand on the truth of right. God's word, it's going to cause you to stand in trials and tribulations. Because right. um, it's very important as a benefit of studying God, the theology is that you're going to know God better. Right. You know, when we pray... That's how we talk to God. How do we listen to God? Well, it's not by that still, small voice that you hear in your head necessarily. <laughs> it's not through you audibly hearing from God. We have his revealed word to us. That is how God speaks to us. And you you can't claim to have a close relationship with God if you don't even read his word or if you don't know it. So, therefore, you must know theology. Right. Right. And so what the next benefit of them of studying theology is just just that you learn to more about God. You grow in a, a better understanding of who he is, what he desires of us. Because, so, you know, the more it's just like if you're married, you can't. the more you talk to your partner, the more you learn about him, the more you know him, the better you're able to um, live with them and to love them, essentially. 
And so that's how we learn about God is by reading his word. So we learn to know him better and love him more by reading his word. So the more we know and love him, the better we'll be able to serve him. And the more inclined we will be to serve him because we all go through tough times to where we don't necessarily feel like getting up and serving God that day. But that's that's easily countered a whole lot more if you are firmly rooted in his word and you know who he is and you know that he's been there for you in the past. He's promised to be there for you in the future. And so the more you know him, the more you, you know, not just intellectually, but in your core, once that filters through your mind into your heart, as you study his word, you learn to push through those hard times because you know who you, who it is that you're serving. And the more you know him, the, you know, his, his righteousness and his holiness and just the, the character of who he is. And then you draw near to him as a, as a sinner, it just reveals more and more your own sinfulness. I mean, even as a believer, you know, the, the sin that remains, you know, it's, uh, there's been analogies used, but you know, the if you're in the darkness, the closer you get to the light, the more you see, you know, yourself in that light. Right. And you know, that kind of brings our next point is that you know, our holiness and sanctification. Uh, you know, the, the more we learn about God in His holiness, in His righteousness, you know, the um, I have that song in my head, the stricken, smitten, and afflicted, or, where it talks about ye who think of sin but lightly. Uh, nor suppose the evil great. And it talks about considering uh, who exactly had to die on the cross for you to take care of that sin, who who suffered you know, the pain of God's wrath for that sin. And whenever you start to consider all those things and you start to study these things, it shows you more and more your sinfulness and the things that need to be put to death. And you know, that's, that's a means of you growing in your holiness and your sanctification is, is learning more about your creator and about uh, your Savior, your God. Yeah, there's always another level to go. You know, we... I've heard it, you know, the Bible's deep enough for an elephant to drown in it and shallow enough for a baby to play in it. And that's true of every every doctrine ta- taught in the Bible. You know, you can learn about it and you can understand it and you think you got a good grasp on it, but there's always more there. You know, the gospel is how we begin our Christian life, but it's also how we go, you know, live our Christian life. There's a, you know, it's a, it's a deep, it's a, he's a deep God. He's put a lot of um, truth into his word. We can always go deeper and it will always inspire us to live more like Christ. That's so good. Yeah, I've, I've had people tell me, uh, you know, the gospel is simple enough a child can understand it, and that's all we really need to know is the gospel. And I said, but God gave us his revealed word for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not meant just for the professional theologians to, to learn. And why, why, what's the purpose of them learning? Well, so they can teach us. Well, why should we be taught? We need to know it too. So Good. thus, we need to be reading it. Thus, we need to be studying it, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. If you're not constantly reading that and learning, you're going to be, what do you say, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You can't That's You right. can't be yeah. grounded if you're not constantly digging deeper into that. Yeah, and truth. another scripture I wanted to read here. It was uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 15. Paul gives us a pretty good reason here, too, why we need to uh, know the Scriptures, why we need to know theology. Uh, He says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Right. So we got to understand that having a good sense of theology also helps you provide a defense. That's what we call in the theological world apologetics. Right. And 
how are you going to be able to defend the truth of the gospel when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door? Uh, how are you know when you're having a conversation with that coworker who's who's oppositional to God's word, who are the atheist that you bump into at, at the the restaurant? Right. You know, what, how are you going to know how to defend it? Because if you don't, you're going to be tossed about like any window doctrine. You could be easily more convinced by the Jehovah's Witness if you don't know the scriptures well enough to be able to discern what they're talking about. Right, because you can believe they know it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're wrong on it, but they know it. Yeah, they. They know their scriptures. They know they know their teaching. They have a slightly different uh, version of the Bible than we do, and I'll say slightly mm, in slightly. quotation marks, <laughs> air, air quotation marks there. Uh, but they will use and manipulate it, and they will agree by some of the terminology. They have the, they'll use the word Trinity, but they have a different meaning by that. So you need to understand what the word Trinity really means. That's right. You need to know the biblical definition of that word. Uh, even though it's not mentioned in the scriptures, you need to understand how and why we believe in what we believe. And that's the most common warfare I think we see right now is a, a change of definitions in words. That's I mean, right. On every front. I mean, not even, you know, you're, we're just, we were just talking about different uh, cult-like religions, but, you know, even the things that we see uh, on, you know, on, on the news or on Facebook or on whatever, you know, all around us, we see people using words uh, that register in our mind as, oh, well, this is Christian. You know, that this person must be a Christian because they're using words that I use. They're using words that I see in the Bible. But whenever you really start questioning them, if you know what those words mean biblically and you start questioning them, you start to find out very quickly that yeah, they don't have those same definitions and they have a totally different you know, worldview using those different definitions that doesn't mesh at all with a biblical worldview. Justice. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a common. Uh, well, go to it's a historical ploy that you know liberalism's always done. You can see it back in the fundamentalist modernist controversy with when all the major denominations started to go downhill. You know that everybody that was on the liberalism side, you know, denying the scriptures, they all signed the Westminster Confession of Faith, and they they still hold to it. Everybody in the PCUSA still signs that Confession of Faith. They just they're not afraid to um, interpret it some way that they want to. So. You know, words matter, truth matters, but don't be misunderstood that, you know, ungodly will just um, lie about it or twist the words to where they feel comfortable using it. But that's a common ploy that's been used for, for ages. It's nothing new. Um, it's nothing new under the sun, essentially. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, so we got a lot of uh, – we kind of covered the base on practical examples, I think. You know, uh we need to understand that there are a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of people taking the the, the word of the pastor over the word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are those who hold the biblical teachers in such high esteem that they don't even question what they're teaching or preaching. And they, oh, don't touch God's anointed and stuff like that. Well, you're taking verse out of context there as well. Right. So, uh, but. <laughs> No, we must test all things. We must know it. And, and if we don't have a firm foundation, I think what a lot of what we're seeing in culture and society today is because people don't have a firm foundation in their beliefs when it comes to theology, uh, especially Christians. You know, you think of every other religion, every other cult, they're pretty firm in what they believe. They know what they're supposed to believe. They know why they believe it. That's right. Um, but you talk to the average American Christian today, and Christian again in quotation marks, uh, professing Christians who claim that they are Christians, ba- only 
mainly because they be- agree with the uh, moral standards of Christianity for the most part. Right. For the most part. Unless it's one of those particular sins they enjoy doing themselves. That's right. Uh, but they have no understanding of what theology is and what a firm foundation on that. Um, some recommended resources. I got a few listed here, and feel free, guys, to share some other ones. But um, Everyone's a Theologian by R.C. Sproul is a very good primer to a systematic theology. That means just going through systematically all the the biblical doctrines and teachings that the Bible has for us to help us understand God. Um, the ESV Study Bible is a very nice Bible that I personally own myself that has a lot of good commentary and articles and things of that nature in it. Um, there's some online resources as well. Again, you can go to our website at eyesopenministry.org, and we have a studies tool tab where we list a lot of those things. Um, the Ransom Bible Study Method is on there. It's presented by Doc and Devo, which is another good podcast for you to check out. Um, there's the topical research tool from openbible.info. Uh, a lot of that, and again, a lot of that is found on our studies tool tab, but there's a lot of good resources out there for you to utilize. Get a good commentary, get a good Bible dictionary, um, and, and here's the even better news. A lot of this stuff is free and online today. Right. It's, it's readily available. Now, be cautious. There is some bad ones that are free and online, too. Uh, so, again, you need to test all things. Right. And, like, with, with proper guidance, you know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day. There's there's no reason, with all the free things that we have on the Internet, there's no reason you can't have close to a seminary-level theology education with That's all right. the free stuff that you have online. You just need uh, careful guidance into what exactly you're looking into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's out there, and... Uh, it's very useful, and I'd also throw in with this with this list that we've given, um, uh, even even catechisms that we're you know, oh, yes. as, as far as a very simple way yes. to get into theology and something that covers the whole scope um, is to look into that. I know that founders.org has uh, the Baptist Catechism, and uh, I'm sure there's a website you can search the Westminster Shorter and Larger mm-hmm. Catechisms, but those are those are very good. Heidelberg Catechism, those are very good uh, ways if you just uh, very simple. If you're somebody who uh, struggles reading whole books, I mean, these are just simple question and answer ways that you can just really focus and meditate on for a day, a question a day or something like that. Right. To really learn and to dig deep. And they have scripture references, uh, too, for you to uh, learn learn these you know, basic principles that give you a good foundation. There's yeah. a uh, website called reformstandards.com. It's on our study resources tab as well. That has a, a lot of good catechisms and and uh, confessions of faith on there for you to utilize. Um, and here's another bone I like to pick just uh, briefly. You know, everybody comes from different denominations and stuff, but why are you in that denomination? Exactly. Study your denomination's confession of faith. Yes. Study their catechism if they have one, even if they and study their, their confession if they have one. Right. If you're going to be a Baptist, well, Know why you're a Baptist. Look at their confession of faith. Make sure you agree with that. If you're going to be a Wesleyan, know what the Wesleyan standard of faith is. Know what they their confession is. If you're a Methodist, same thing, and so on and so forth. Uh, and that's a good way to kind of get your primer and get set. Now, of course, we have our own particular way that we like to view things, and we, we agree more with the Baptist side of things. Uh, but we encourage you, study them. Mm-hmm. 
look into all the different denominations, see what all of them believe and study. I've, I've done that before, and you can do that again online for free. Yeah, go see um, what all they believe and then come be a Baptist. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. There you go. That's it. Hey, one thing I um, I may have overplayed my hand at times, but I got to where I would hear people say stuff, and I would just say, based on what? And, I mean, it's it's kind of blunt, but hopefully it wokes some people up. <laughs> Maybe not, but now Founders, what you mentioned earlier, has a, a book and a um, documentary, docu-series called uh, By What Standard, and it's along the same lines. I would hear people say stuff. I said, why do you believe that? Where, where are you basing that belief on? You know, that's, I don't think that's scriptural. I, sometimes I would get into a conversation with people, but just something as simple as that, based on what? And, and you brought up each denomination's statement of faith. I mean, there's lots of people out there who believe a lot of things, and and um, I think we should be asking ourselves that more. Why do I believe that? Wait a minute. Is that yeah. just something I heard growing up and I've, uh, uh, I've taken and it? And mom was a Pentecostal and grandma yeah. was a Pentecostal, so I'm a Pentecostal. <laughs> Took it on as my own belief yeah. system, but, um, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we kind of covered this subject pretty well. You know, uh, why does bad theology hurt people? Well, because bad theology can lead you down the wrong road. Yeah. Um, and we do know Jesus said what? the The gate is what? Straight and narrow. Right. So you want to stay on that straight and narrow path. You want to make sure you're grounded in God's truth, and you just want to make sure that what you're learning is sound biblical teaching. It is is based on the Bible and not based on some man's tradition or this man's personal theology or whatever the case may be. So uh, one more, think, one more thing, I think yeah. that we didn't really bring up or uh, that that might be good just to talk about right quick is the reason why we're so concerned about bad theology, you know, we, we, we've already said bad oh, yeah. theology hurts people is because your theology, how you view God, how you view his word, what you believe it teaches has practical implications in your life. It, it works out. It works itself out in specific ways. Uh, even if you don't realize it, you know, because like we said before, everyone has a theology and every single thing you do is based on that theology. It, it's, it's like your actions are filtered through that, whether you know it or not. Uh, so it's better for you to know, you know, what is my theology so that you can have better control of, all right, now what, what is its implications in my life? How does that lead me to live? Um, because a lot of times we don't think that way. Uh, one big example that, that's been getting me, uh, and I kind of talked about this this morning in the sermon, it's just uh, people's mentality of just wanting Christ to return because, you know, we don't want to face any struggles in our lives or anything right. like that. We just want, you know, I wish Christ would just come back so that we can just escape, you know, and all the bad stuff can happen. It's like, well, where'd you, where'd you get that? What you got that based on, right? Like, you know, what is that based on? Mama told me. Based yeah. on what? <laughs> Mama said. But, you know, in in the meantime, if, if we're looking biblically, we're looking at, at what Christ has given us, you know, if we have a proper theology of, of what it looks like when Christ is returning and things like that, we can uh, – have better implications in our life. We can actually be obedient to the Great Commission. We can be obedient in in this and that through the hard times that we might have otherwise thought we were just going to escape from. That's a good point, man. Yes, and do, gentlemen, catch me anytime I may get ahead of myself. Yeah. Please. And the thing, the thing about it, um, you know, jumping off of what Clay just said, why why are we doing this? Uh, we're, we 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 don't have a personal grudge against anyone, or you know, I guess. It wouldn't be completely accurate to say we're not mad about false teachers or false doctrine because in our nature that is part of it. But the reason we're doing this is hoping and praying that God will use this to bring people out 
of darkness and deception because it is real. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you mentioned earlier about changing definitions and everything, and, and, uh, and another aspect of that is just trying to accept everything. But that's not scriptural. That's not what Paul said. Paul said there's one gospel, and if mm-hmm. you're preaching something else, you sh- it's a curse. And um, a lot of people don't want to see that black and white the way it is today. And so we're not doing this to, you know, call out people and cause a scenery thing, but we're, we're passionate about um, uh, people knowing God and, and coming to a deeper relationship with God. That's the reason we're doing this whole thing. Yeah. I would, I would encourage anybody a good starting place. And, we, you know, we get all these resources and everything, but the, the most important resource is reading your Bible. Um, and I would all, I often recommend a new new Christians to start with the gospel of John and then read through the book of Romans. Cause there you, I think when you combine those two books together, you have a good starting point for theology. Everything is discussed in those two books of the Bible. That's pretty much out there that you need to understand about how God works, how, uh, the gospel is the truth. And behind that, um, I would even say study the book of Galatians when it comes to this topic. Cause, uh, Paul wrote that because, in, in the very beginning, he's upset with these false teachers who said it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and circumcision. Plus. plus, It was the gospel plus something else. And it was something that's what they considered back then as simple as circumcision. But he said, I wish these guys would just emasculate themselves. They just you know castrate right. themselves because he was so frustrated with them because they were teaching something on top of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You may have the gospel right, but are you adding anything to it? So that's one thing you want to keep in mind as well. And I mean that's and that's just on dealing with people, you know, within the church and and, and embracing right. and, you know fighting against false teaching in the church. And then when you talk about the you know the fight against our culture and the the beliefs that they're trying to push on us, I feel like the most important place you can be grounded is is Genesis one through three. Yeah. If you can read those three chapters and get a firm grasp and understanding on what exactly is being said there, you know, you're dealing with you know fighting against evolution. Yep, the LGBTQ plus movement. Plus, plus. Is that all the letters to the second power? <laughs> you know, that whole movement. Uh, you're dealing with what our whole purpose on earth is. You know, all of these different things. Your sin, you know, sin, headship, all all kinds of stuff that you're dealing with in these first three chapters. Where if you really get that nailed down, you know, the rest of the Bible kind of falls in line after that. Yeah, and you can see, you know, the first the first sin was caused by a misunderstanding or. Corrupt doctrine, you know, evil is deceived by, right. by false doctrine. Jesus. Interpreted God's word yeah. wrongly. Right. So it has real Trust. practical implications there that if you misunderstand God's word or you twist it, there's real eternal consequences there. I usually take them straight to Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> I just must, actually read through must be, pretty good actually. There must yeah. be blood. <laughs> there will be blood. There will be blood. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate everybody participating today i appreciate you the listener listening to us for about an hour uh we we plan to do a summarized version of this as well that would only be about 10 to 15 minutes long we encourage you to share both of each episode that we plan to do here on eyes open ministry podcast uh will be about a something around an hour long version and a short 10 to 15 minute version to give a nice summary of each thing we wanted to start at this point from here on out we're going to go into more specifically some doctrinal teachings in the future. Uh, We'll probably start with the attributes of God uh, and then kind of take it from there. So join us for the next episode, and hopefully we'll have that up for you pretty soon. And then uh, be also listening out for our other podcast, God's Mad Men.
We'll be having that posted pretty soon. And also, don't forget our website. Plenty of great resources there. We have blog posts by every man sitting at this table, uh, plus a few other contributors, and we have more coming on board. And just a lot of great materials there. Give us a like and a share on Facebook and Instagram, and look for this content to be more available on all podcasts as we move forward with it. Uh, We're trying to get it on every single platform for podcasts. You can definitely find it right now on Anchor and Spotify. So we thank you for your time. Come back and join us next time, and be sure to bring your Bibles.